Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening. This is Tom, Mike, and Jim, and we are one more than two. We are three. Sweet. Me. Bro. On this week's show, we'll discuss the most noteworthy shenanigans of the week in clickbait. Each of us will provide you with a must-watch list of matches of the week, and Jim will be shining a spotlight on a certified star of the wrestling business. So without further delay, let's get into some clickbait. Kind of touch on some stuff that's happening. It just seems like news just keeps happening and happening and where it's been like, what? To like, oh God, no. Like, to like, oh shit. Well, if you've been not living under a rock for the last week uh you are probably familiar with our first story in clickbait and that is the unceremonious uh and very untimely firing of manny rose from wwe uh as a brief backstory brief background on the on the situation uh mandy rose who's been with the company for many many years uh originally started the wwe after an appearance on the relaunch of tough enough uh which i thought was fantastic i wish they had done more of uh but after her stint on tough enough was signed to a wwe contract uh worked at nxt for a hot minute before getting called up to the main roster uh and she has spent the last year back in nxt as the women's champion and has had a hell of a run in nxt as the nxt women's champion however Last week, Mandy Rose was fired because the company decided that her uh, extracurricular activities were not representative of the company. In specific, Mandy Rose has an an account, a creator account uh, with a website called Fantime which is essentially like an OnlyFans where subscribers can pay a fee to uh, uh, get access to photos and videos that are provided by these content providers. While Manny Rose has had this account on Fantime for quite some time, right? This isn't new. It's only recently that the WWE decided wow. she was posting things that violated uh, their conscience and did not represent their brand in a way that they wished. And so they just kind of fired her. Uh, from what I've read, I haven't seen that she was warned. I haven't seen that this was in any way, shape or form, something that anyone would have seen coming. This was just kind of an, all of a sudden they woke up one day and decided, Oh, we don't like you making money without us. Uh, and so Mandy Rose dropped the belt very suddenly just out of the blue, uh, on an NXT show and was fired the very next day. And it's caused quite a bit of controversy and quite a bit of stir because speaking for myself, I can say it's a load of horse shit. Uh, I am not by any means the world's biggest Mandy Rose fan. Uh, I've never been a huge fan of her work. I thought the last year in NXT, she was doing really well. She was building. I thought she was really becoming a good wrestler. I don't think she was yep. there. But I think she yeah, was yeah. becoming a good wrestler. Great. Uh, from day one, Mandy Rose has been a sex kitten for the WWE product from day one. They have packaged and promoted her as a sex kitten. If, if you, you read feminist film theory or feminist media theory, all the criticisms are about exactly the way WWE packaged this woman. But when she starts selling her sexuality and it's not going to the WWE's account, suddenly it's problematic. Uh, I, I can say that I've seen her content on fan time. I have no shame in that. It's not like, oh, you admitted you look but of course, <laughs> a fucking adult. Why not? Right. <laughs> 42 year old man. Grow up. Her account. There's no there's no nudity. There's no nudity on her account. 
there is lingerie and bikini photos, which as someone who grew up watching WWE, as somebody who remembers the Attitude Era fucking hmm. vividly. Weird. Isn't that weird? Yeah. Th- there, I saw worse things that WWE put on their programming than I saw on Mandy Rose's fan time. And so it's, in my opinion, the epitome, the, the, the epitome, the height of bullshit, of, of horseshit, of nonsensical business dealings. Um, Tom, you're a dad, you're a husband, you're a fan of wrestling, all of those things combined. I mean, what, how many levels of wrong is this to you? Oh man. Um, God, I, when I, when I first heard about it, I like, I like appalled isn't even the right word. <laughs> like it was just, it, it was, I'm, I'm still like mad about it. Like it just doesn't make any sense. And yeah, Jim, I, I, I like you and Mike, we grew up with, I mean, and, and forgive me for saying the actual full word, but they loosely said retard, like, like it was no big deal uh, in the attitude era. And then, you know, of course, a few years later to make themselves look good, they're going to sponsor with the Special Olympics. So it's like, oh, well, we did our part. Um, I know I'm, that's a bit of a tangent, but it's insane. It's, it's absolutely insane that this, this woman, this adult woman can't make money off of her own fucking body without WWE going like, oh, wait, wait, wait we lost how much money? Oh, no, this can't happen. And, and, and I understand too, Mike, Mike mentioned like the contract disputes and like, I know with further into further reading, I, there, there was like uh, a Mattel contract that was kind of one of the issues. Okay. That's fine. You break a contract, you lose the belt, you do, you do, you know, some, you know, you talk to her and you figure it out. You don't just fucking fire the girl. And I think at, at one point, Jim, while we were all talking, like you alluded to like, this is like slut shaming 101. It's exactly what it is. It is is exactly what it is. And like, it's just, I mean, we live in fucking 2022. Like, are are we kidding? And also what really pisses me off about the whole thing. Did you guys know who brought it up to Shawn Michaels? Oh God, no. Albert. And what was Albert's tag name in the attitude era? Are you fucking kidding me? And a like, are you fucking kidding me? Do you know, do you know why he's called Albert? His name was Prince Albert. What's a Prince Albert? Oh, God, I don't want to Piercing about through your balls. His character was named for a genital piercing. And he's going to act all fucking high. Now, look, I've seen all the incel dipshits on Twitter who are, you know, who are rushing to gargle the balls of Triple H on this and defend him. They're worse than the fucking Elon Musk stands, right? Oh my God. I've seen them all getting on Twitter. Well, you know, it seems representing the company. Now, here's the problem with that, you fucking idiot. She wasn't representing the company because she's an independent contractor. Because WWE wants it both ways. They want to act like you're an employee, but then not treat you like an employee when it comes to benefits. All of their talent are independent contractors. She is an independent contractor. You are, so the, is the, the legal theory we're working with here that if you're an independent contractor for company A, then that is the precedent that oversees all of your other business operations because no independent contractor is expected to be dependent on one company. Otherwise, they wouldn't be called independent. 
detractors, you fucking schmucks. And it just, it, you know, we, we were talking about this in, in text and the hypocrisy to me is Xavier Woods has a sex tape leaked and they make fun of it on TV, right? Yep. Not right away. They waited, but he sure shit didn't get fired. Nope. Jay Uso gets a fucking DUI. They give him the belt. What, what did Mandy Rose do? That's worse. You can see more of her in, on WWE programming than you could on her website. I really fundamentally think that this is just women's bodies are commodities to the WWE. They're not people, they're commodities, right? So this whole women's yeah. revolution bullshit is just that. It's just bullshit. It's just this this PR campaign like you were referencing about the Special Olympics and be a yep. star, right? Women are commodities. And the moment that they are not, that their commodity is not making money for them, fuck them. We don't need you. And it's 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 infuriating on multiple levels to me. Multiple. And I'm also like, what you kind of asked earlier about how like, you know, as a, as a father and a man and stuff uh, about all of this and, and a husband. And I think what really at the end of the day too, like what kind of pisses me off about it too, is like they were promoting her for NXT. Uh, I can't, who's, who's the champ before her? I think she took it off Raquel Rodriguez. Okay. Raquel. Now this might be a crazy, like, I don't know. I hope this doesn't sound like a conspiracy theory, but Ra- Raquel Rodriguez is a very fit woman. She's, she's got a very, uh, like, I, I don't know if you can edit, if you want to edit this out, but like a very masculine kind of like build. And I, I mean, I, I will, I, she's gorgeous by the way. I'm not trying to like shame her by any means, but you can, you can see the ideology behind that of being like, oh, but we've got Mandy Rose who's like next level sex kit and beautiful. We're going to put her in and God be, you know, say what you will about Mandy Rose as, you know, a character and, and as a performer. Yeah, she wasn't stellar, but man, she worked her fucking ass off and you have to commend that. Like if you put in the work and you do the work, you may not be great, but hey, you know what? You're doing everything you possibly can to def- like to defend the belt and put put the company on your back which is what you know wrestling essentially is all about and you you know they forced her in that position because they're like oh well we we need some eye candy we need mm-hmm. some eye candy and this whole woman's yeah this whole woman's revolution is bullshit and it it smelled like bullshit from the day they they started all that where it was like oh we're going to have this pay-per-view and all of a sudden you know here come the twitter trolls they're all like well how come it didn't do as good as, as if you have the guys on there? Just saying, well, fuck you guys. Like, seriously, it, it is it, to, to throw it over to you, Mike. I, I know you, you want to maybe add one or two things. It's fucking disgusting. And it's incredibly disappointing that they did this. It, 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 it's, it leaves a very, very sour taste in my mouth. Honestly, to, um, sitting here listening to you guys talk about it. Um, I'm not going to talk about it. I don't want to talk about it. Um, I'm done. Um, I think everyone knows my thoughts on the WWE. Um, and I'm done. I am I'm hearing it. I'm walking away. Um, I, I don't want to comment on this. I don't want to talk about it anymore. It's absolutely disgusting. Um, what is happening? The levels of hypocrisy are absolutely ridiculous. And if you can't see that, there's something wrong with you. And I just implore you to go, please talk to a woman. Please talk to a woman. And I apologize, but I am a husband. I am an uncle. Um, I have friends that have very 
strong and beautiful women and this is just insane and they don't deserve this and i'm not going to give it my time of day any longer um and so again um if you don't understand that i implore you to go talk to um a woman and um figure this the fuck out because this is a very big problem and it's only going to keep happening if you keep watching the product. And I'm not going to watch the product anymore. I'm not going to talk about it. I wish Mandy Rose the best. Um, I agree with everything that you've said. She has worked her fucking ass off. Um, I, I I really, truly thought when she lost the title, I was like, fucking A, right. They're going to start giving her the rub um, for toxic attraction. I think that's great. Great. I can see where they're going with it. Damage control. I like this. And then this bullshit comes out and it just killed it and it sucks. And I feel so bad um, for the girls of toxic attraction. Um, it really, really sucks. And I think it's really going to hurt them. And I hope they come back and they're really good. Watch their matches. I don't know what else to say, but I don't want to talk about this anymore. I think it was kind of ironic uh, that it also, she gets fired on the day that Vince McMahon gets more accusations put out on him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, there's not too much that needs to be said, I guess, about Vince McMahon, but like, come the fuck on. Like, how that, really? That's the day you choose to fire this woman is the day that the old CEO gets more allegations against him. Well, and not to steal your thunder, Tom, but, um, you know, I, I believe this also may transition into the fact that that he wants to come back. And I, I, I that. My heart like actually kind of like skipped a little bit, to be honest, because I was like, Jesus Christ, this guy has enough influence to come back. And it's my question is, can he like I know he wants to, but like, would they are they that fucking dumb? Are they are they that dumb to allow him back in? Honestly, yeah. (laughs) I mean, the way I look at it is from. I know that, and and I guess it just goes to, it just goes to the whole point that we made about like the Logan Paul kind of generation of like, give me this, give me this now. I want immediate gratification, and I think that's there. I'm not sure. I'm not. I mean, Jim, you could probably touch on this. Is that like I'm not sure where the ratings stand with Triple H. I know we kind of talked about it in our last episode, but like I know they're not stellar and. Everybody always says that Raw gets an immediate boost as soon as Vince McMahon comes back. And what a better selling point to the board and being like, hey, we're losing viewers. We're losing money. We need to get Vince back because Vince is the only guy who can fix this. And then that's like a, a nightmare scenario. Do I think he's coming back? I mean, honestly, I hate to use the man's words himself. Never say never because I, it very well could happen. The dude is insane. Like the guy's fucking insane. The the guy has an ego the size of of well the fucking planet ego from Marvel. Um, I mean, he, he, is, he he might have been the inspiration for the character. Honestly, come to think Jesus, of it. Um, I, does he want to come back? Sure. Does he think he can come back? Sure. I just they're a publicly traded company. The pressure is now heightened. The the uh, the attention is heightened. Uh, I just I fuck. I just I. I have a hard time believing that uh, Nick Khan, the co-CEO, would want that guy back. Because remember, Nick Khan is not a wrestling guy. Mm -mm. He's a TV guy. He's an entertainment industry guy who they hire to try and and, and bring in 
you know, a new perspective, yeah. right? I, I, you know, I, I think it's only the like dyed in the wool, you know, fed heads that fucking like Vince and that would want him back. If, if you're looking at Vince McMahon's career from an outside perspective, not from a wrestling fan's perspective, but just from a, a, a regular business media mogul perspective, there's zero fucking reason to bring him back right now. Like maybe, maybe you have him do a one-off as the character, but you would be out of your goddamn mind to allow that man into a decision making position (laughs) in that company. And, you know, Mike said he's done. That would be the line in the sand for me. That's absolutely the line. I would absolutely be done. And I would not only, I would not only not, for the first, like, I'm, look, I'm 42 years old. I've been watching WWE as a product my entire life. It, I have never gone more than two weeks without tuning into Raw or SmackDown since they aired. Never. I have rescheduled important things in my life so that I don't miss too much of the WWE. I will cancel everything I have in my life that has to do with that company if they bring that piece of shit back. And not only that, I will actively campaign <laughs> to get other people to stop because it's disgusting. It's fu- yeah, the Saudi deal, yeah. the fucking sexism and misogyny, put it all together. There's, this is just that's and I feel like I've, I got to be honest, I feel like a piece of shit for even saying this is the line, you know, after I point out their fucking racism, misogyny yeah. and, and you know, all this other problems they've had. Now this is the line. Yeah. White privilege. But still, like, I can't I just can't fucking imagine taking a car that's driving to safety and be like, I don't know. There's that cliff over there. Let's see what that looks like. Right? I, just, I, mean, I just can't imagine it. Yeah. No, I, I, I totally agree with you. And I'll be I'll be right there with you guys. Um, and Mike, I know you're, you're already there. Um, I just, I mean, he's just so unpredictable. And, and, and I think to your point, Jim, of like when, before all the allegations that came out, it was getting bad. Like it was, it was in rough condition and it was, you know, every other week I was like, I don't know, this might be the time to like, jump ship and and but it's you know like you said 42 years in like man i've invested a lot of time and energy into this company well i guess we're, it was almost you just kind of were at peace with like this is never going to get better until he's dead and and that's just how it was and then all of a sudden all this you know this all fell in his lap and yeah absolutely i i think you know if he is brought back that is that is a drastic turning point of like Nah, this, 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 we're done. Click. Click. So the last thing I want to say about McMahon is I don't understand another reason why we would want to bring him back is look at creative wise, how we're, we're seeing people that Vince, you know, that the non Vince guys kind of blossom. And, and I don't know if you guys saw this Friday, but we finally, Finally, after a long while of slow burn, we get to see Uncle Howdy. What do you guys think? <laughs> You're right. We did get to see him. I, I think we did get to see <laughs> we him. We sure I, did. I want to know why he's wearing <laughs> white surgical gloves. But other than that, you know. Full, full disclosure, I have to add, I was incredibly stoned at the time when I was watching this. 
Um, I have no shame in it. I love watching wrestling while I'm high. Um, and uh, sorry, mom and dad, if you're listening. I was going to say, I think all three of us have done worse things. So, and together. I have, I've been, I, okay. So the, I have a couple of times that I, I distinctly remember being stoned and geeking the fuck out while watching wrestling. Dolph Ziggler, when he cashed in the money in the bank. Amazing. Yep. Great. Oh my God. I Great pop. And we One can, of the best. We'll say it until we're dead. Chicago crowds are greater than any crowd in the world. And I thought it was really smart. It was incredibly smart to put, to finally reveal <laughs> Uncle Howdy in Chicago. The crowd was fucking white hot. It was great, great build. I, I love LA Knight. And then we see Uncle Howdy. And by the way, I'm fully uh, stoned at this point. And it felt like an eternity had passed. I was getting <laughs> like, I was like, what is happening? This is going on for way too long. Because Wyatt's like, looking at the camera, looking at LA night, looking at the camera. I was like back and forth. And then they reveal him. And he's like, he looks like he's five, four. <laughs> he, he, it looked like a tiny little, he does look really <laughs> and short. This, like, I was, I, I wanted to save this for the podcast. Like, am I wrong for thinking the delivery was just a little off? Yeah. Well, and, like expectations were high, right? Cause everything that Bray's done since he's been back has been like, wow, this is fucking amazing. Yeah. So expectations were pretty high. And yeah, it was underwhelming. It was one of the most underwhelming things I've seen in a while. <laughs> and and that's what like, it just kind of blew my mind. Cause I saw the video that, and that I was like, all right, that's a little creepy. Like, I don't know, l- nursery rhymes with creepy voices and like, y- you can't see who's doing it. And then all of a sudden it, it, you know, the camera turned around and you just caught a glimpse of cap. That stuff is unnerving to me. And it was like, okay, cool. Good build. So now I'm thinking, I like I was reading about this and I had heard that, you know, LA Knight, you know, Bray came came out and supposedly Bray's like, I'm not the one that's behind all this. Like, I I swear I have nothing to do with it. And obviously we I think the fans that, you know, um, it's interesting what he's doing, by the way, because you can tell he's still alluding to like, hey, fans that know me, you obviously know there's some sort of connection here, but the new fans, all you see is this, this happy Bray. So it's kind of cool. The guys, he's good. I just think he's too good and it's too much of a slow burn because again, I was expecting he comes out LA Knight stomps him into the corner and I'm expecting, Oh man, uncle Howdy is going to appear behind LA Knight and like, it's on, you know, something creepy is going to happen. And again, I was like, um, What's with this little short guy on the stage tipping his cap <laughs> like, and then doing the worst ADR laugh? I know you. this is a audio, but like he was doing this like grabbing lapel chuckle laughter and they were trying to make it. I think that Wyatt was laughing, but then Uncle Howdy was laughing and it I was like, oh, man, somebody failed on the ADR job real bad. <laughs> and so it just, again, to Tom's point, it just kind of was like, build, build, build. Oh, we're in kind of almost Shockmaster territory here. Like, is exactly that's what I thought. It's about what we were looking at here. And I'm sure Bray's pissed. And like, it'll, the guy's got a good creative mind. And I think it's going to write itself. And like, just knowing the wrestling community and the way they talk and how it supposedly Bray really listens to a lot of people and, you know, draws so much inspiration from everything. Wouldn't be surprised if we see Uncle Howdy real soon. <laughs> like I you know, Dennis or whoever it is, like we're, you know, we're gonna see him. I have a feeling very soon because of I this. I totally agree, so. Mike. That was like 
so reminiscent of Shockmaster to me. I, I mean, I think thankfully the the whole mask or whatever he was wearing, which is like again also like two sizes too big. You know what it reminded me of? It honestly reminded me of like dressing up in my dad's clothes as like a like a ten year old, and that's what it reminded me. Of. That's why I was like. <laughs> Not to talk over you, Tom. I thought the same thing. I was like, "Why does his face look huge? Like, like it does? Something doesn't look right." And like, there was not. There was just like him being like, "Top of the day, fellas." Like, wait, what? You're supposed to be this like terrifying, like whatever you are. And then he's like, just tipping the cap. I was like, okay. And like I said, and the white, the bright white surgical gloves. And I'm like, um. What? <laughs> well, thank God he's 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 good with germs. Or I can't antibacterial. Good day, gentlemen. Maybe he's Howie Mandel, and he's just extremely germaphobic. Uh, it's possible. Um, you know, I give full disclosure. I didn't get to watch it live. Uh, I I watched a replay of it, um, and and like I said, it was underwhelming to say the least. Really um, I I I I said a couple weeks ago. Um, I really, I, I really want to believe in Bray. I want to believe that he's got a vision here. Um, but yeah, my patience is wearing out yeah. too. I'm gonna need to see a fucking match soon here. I'm gonna need to see some kind of payoff soon here. Uh, I, you know, I, this is gonna so, this is gonna sound bad, but fuck it. I'm just gonna say it. Uh, Bray's given me blue balls, and I don't appreciate <laughs> it. Uh, he's, he's gotten us all worked up and excited. And then he's going to be like, oh, sorry, I got to go home. Look at the time. And you're like, Bray, what the fuck, man? Like, we were right there. And then he just ditches you. So that's what it feels like. Jim, not to, so not to interrupt you, you just kind of actually reminded me of something. So wasn't oh, when he whoa, first. Whoa. No, well, no, when, wasn't when he first initially came back or, in you know, kind of got away and was this funhouse Bray Wyatt. That was a really slow burn. And I remember being like, what? Because that's I was kind of checked out at that point. And I just was like checking in, reading the dirt sheets and shit. And all I kept hearing about was this fun. And I'm like, this sounds weird enough. I got to look at it. And then I was like, oh, my God, this is gold. And then I got, I think, word of mouth, dirt sheets are on obviously to national television. It started to build, but that was a really slow burn. So I guess what is maybe the better question is what is different between that and this that like you're, you know, are you that the fan that's loved that that's wanted this to blossom. And like now that he can finally blossom and it's just taking too long, or I guess just intrigued. I'm just, no, I, I, I think the difference between the, cause you're right. Firefly, Flun, Firefly, Funhouse. There we go. That was, that was a slow burn too. Right. And, and, and they ran those, those segments for a while before we saw, uh, you know, Bray Wyatt and the fiend actually wrestle. Um, I think the difference is we didn't know, what the fuck Bray Wyatt was at that point in time. Yeah. Um, that history wasn't established. Now there's a history established and it's, it, it, it's, it's unfair to Bray. Um, it's not his fault that history exists, but it is something you have to deal with. It is something you have to live with. Right. When Firefly Funhouse happened, we're coming off of the Wyatt family, right? He has right. gone for a long time. He was Wyatt family. He was eater of worlds. He was, you know, tag teaming with with matt oh, hardy boy. and then he went away for <laughs> like, a long time. i could see you yeah. being like matt hardy <laughs> <laughs> it was fun on paper and like it was fun i will admit seeing the like 
you know, Bray Wyatt delete, but then it was like, okay, this is kind of cute. And then it was like, oh God, no, they did. Yep. Nope. They did it. (laughs) It just went from kind of cute to, oh God, please stop. Hey, hey, deleter (laughs) rhymes with eater. So, yeah, damn it. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm, I'm starting to lose my patience, uh, with, with Bray. I'm, I'm still a big fan. I, I'm still super anxious, but, they got to give us something, man. They got to, they got to, they got to give it just the tip, you know, just the tip. Something. I also like to, to add real quick, I, the, when the fiend came out, that was a fucking awesome build though. Like that was unreal. Like everyone was like, that was a time where wrestling people like wrestling fans were like dead quiet. Cause they were just like, what the fuck is that thing? I don't know. It's interesting. Just kind of a, I feel like, um, Bray is just kind of in that weird dichotomy where he's kind of got the power to, hey, this is what you brought me back on for. I'm going to do it how I want to do it. And, you know, the three of us are like, oh, my God, please do something like you got to give it like, again, you know, give us a tip. Give us something. Speaking of uh, reveals. What, why don't you tell us about a reveal that you were actually excited for? I was. I was really excited um, because I um, didn't have to talk about WWE, uh, which, um, again, I'm not going to. Uh, so I'm going to focus uh, on a lot of indies, uh, New Japan, AAA, uh, better product, uh, in my opinion. And uh, this might not be a better product, but goddamn, they got a hell of a fucking talent. Uh, but uh, Jonathan Gresham uh appeared on impact uh to my honest kind of surprise uh i i really didn't think uh he was gonna head there um no i (laughs) we've all talked about jonathan gresham i think at one point or another um and the man is incredibly talented um and i think absolutely ready for stardom in the big time so i'm kind of surprised he picked impact um you know obviously his wife is there uh jordan grace uh if you're dumb deaf blind I that's all I'm going to say. Go, please watch that woman. Um, She's amazing. Uh, But so I'm, you know, of course, that's cool. Uh, But he's just so fantastically over. I'm just I'm I don't know if this is a dig at Tony Khan, uh, because apparently there was some uh, real heat, I guess, to use an industry term Mm -hmm. uh, as to why he didn't stick around with AEW, which I will admit he was used fucking awfully oh, man. Uh, awful. awful i'm sorry i just yeah it, they they really missed the boat with this guy um especially with him being the incoming ring of honor champion i just yeah i think all of us could say stuff about that so again i'm just really surprised he went to impact but also good for him to keep working on his craft there is some pretty decent talent there now um not gonna lie i i would love to see a josh alexander jonathan gresham match um i think that'd be great um, you know, uh, I think, uh, Mike Bailey and, uh, Jonathan Gresham would be fun. Um, Tommy, Drew no, I just, and Jonathan Gresham. Oh, Tom. No. Okay. Yeah. See, I knew one of you fuckers was going to say it, you know, bully Ray versus no, I, no, no, stop it. No. Um, no. And, um, I don't, oh man, I wish he was, I don't think he's there anymore, but I could even see Jonathan Gresham and Jake something. I, th- I thought he was in impact for a little while. I think he's actually with new Japan right now, but, um, he's another up and comer potentially spotlight oh, material. Yeah. Uh, yeah, if yeah. you haven't Jake, something's fantastic. Really, really good. I think 
a real secret and he's going to kind of blossom pretty soon here, especially with new Japan. Uh, but anyway, not to detract from Jonathan Gresham. Um, he's an impact. We're going to see a lot more of him. Um, I hope it just continues just cementing how great that man is and how deservedly he, he deserves to be on national television. Um, wink, wink, Tony Khan. If you somehow listen to this program, you need to put that man back on national television. Um, I think it would be best for everybody, but gentlemen, uh, what are your thoughts? Obviously, Jim, I'm going to go to you first being the impact guy, Jonathan Gresham. <laughs> God damn it. Well, I see. I'm, I'm not only the impact guy in this case. I'm also the, the octopus guy. I fucking love Jonathan Gresham. I've been a big fan of his for a long time. Um, I, I think he, he's, one of the most talented technical wrestlers in the world today. Uh, if he wasn't short, he'd be, he'd, he'd be, he'd be Brian Danielson. Honestly, uh, he would have the same amount of hype and the same amount of rapport and the same amount of everything. Um, I think he's phenomenally talented. Uh, I'm excited. He's going to be an impact because I think there are a lot of really good matches for him. Absolutely. There. Um, I'm also worried uh if you don't watch the product which obviously you two don't uh but if you don't watch the product, <laughs> the impact product you might not be aware that the the company right now is being run by uh scott demore who is generally a, a pretty good wrestling mind um however they're very 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 clearly uh setting up for a scott demore and Bully Ray are in cahoots situation circa WCW, circa Vince Russo and Impact TNA. Just recycling that old gimmick, that old hacky, you know, the top heel is actually in cahoots with the booker kind of a thing. And that's what makes me nervous for Jonathan Gresham is because he's phenomenally talented and can have some great matches. But if he's going to be on a show with fucking bully ray is the fourth iteration of that guy like yeah fourth or fifth like fucking walk away dude like yeah and he's he hasn't been good for a while so it's only a matter of time for jonathan gresham and bully ray are going to be and just that that worries me a lot but i i i do i wish that gresham had better terms with tony khan uh i completely understand gresham's frustrations uh, as they happen, I totally get where he was coming from with his complaints, his criticisms. Uh, I, I wish it had gone better. I think him in AEW or Ring of Honor is a much better fit. Uh, but I'm, I'll be glad to see him on Impact because I'll be glad to see him. Right. Um, oh, you know, if, if yeah, if if John Gresham was on, you know, fucking MTV, I'd suddenly start watching MTV. <laughs> you know, I, I I'd be happy to watch him wherever he is. But I do think that that he could. There's a lot of opportunity for him to be misused an impact and and that's what concerns me well the good part is though jim before they throw it to tom is um i believe impact still honors um indie dates and whatnot so yes. i know being in the chicagoland area jonathan gresham and his wife have both frequented uh zello pro aw um so i will definitely be on the lookout and we'll let you know when this when he comes around in case we miss him on impact because mm-hmm. i would love to see him too he's definitely another one of my um haven't seen him live yet dream want to see him live i i wish we could have seen uh gresham versus saber jr god damn that would have been uh just a dream come true um yeah no i mean i i don't really have much to add i love jonathan gresham just as much as you guys do i'm actually kind of curious though where did you think he was gonna go mike he had actually uh had i believe 
one, I know one for sure, maybe two of his own uh, promotion terminus in Atlanta, Georgia, where he's from. I believe actually that's where him and Jordan live um, is in Atlanta. Uh, sorry, no disclosure. I follow them both on Instagram. Uh, but uh, uh, no, I thought he, you know, for sure, um, if it wasn't, he was going to keep doing that because it seemed like he was doing it. And I, from what I understand, for all purposes, for it was a solid indie show. Good draw, good money um, for everything that it was. So I was really surprised that I was like, okay, cool. He's going to keep going with it. Um, I, New Japan would have been my next guest is just go over there and absolutely blow up. Um, I could see a great junior division and he absolutely does whatever he does in Japan to get to the heavyweight division a la, you know, and we get like Will Ospreay uh, versus Jonathan Gresham, which... I yeah, please, sure. Uh give me Jonathan Gresham versus Okada. I yeah a hundred percent. So I'm kind of shocked. Again, like I said, um I again I don't know what the the terms of his contract are. You know, it gotta do some more sleuthing, but um I can only imagine again it gives him uh probably rain to run the indies and he gets to be with his wife, like and everything everything points to the fact that those two really love each other, and that's pretty dope. So I think that's really cool and good for him. So like, why not, man? Go with your girl. So <laughs> at the bottom line, go with your girl, man. <laughs> yeah, their, their their relationship on social media, at least, is adorable. Oh, it's it it's uh, so funny. <laughs> it's a kid. It, yeah, yeah. She gets him to do the funny, like the dumbest shit, and he's just this like just ripped guy doing these like it's Jonathan Gresham doing like TikTok dances and st- it's hysterical, and she gets him to do it all the time it's his it's really really funny but yeah no so that's yeah no it sounds like all of us are you know i think in agreement you know but uh, maybe the jury's still out hopefully you know it's just a it's it's we get to see more of him and just more him to shine and hopefully it just it it's one step closer to a, a national spotlight for him That leads us to the matches of the week, gentlemen. Um, I think we know where I'm going to lean towards because I'm not watching a certain product. Uh, but uh, <laughs> I'll kick us off here, if you don't mind. Uh, I know we didn't. Uh, I don't think we actually talked about this. Sometimes we've uh, communicated throughout the week, uh, you know, watching this, watching this. And, you know, Tom's, you know, journey down the the Wyatt rabbit hole. Um, and uh all that fun stuff. But uh, no, my uh, my pick of the week actually um, was the uh, main event for Winter is Coming, uh, MJF versus Ricky Starks. Um, I, well done. It, it's, I thought it was uh, a bit of a weak buildup. Uh, I thought they pulled it off pretty quick uh, the week before MJF tries to, you know, screw over uh, Ricky Starks. Ricky starts popping with a spear. Great. Love the man. Good guy's got a chance. Um, and boy, oh boy, has Ricky proved that he can hang with, with Maxwell. And I think it's, you can tell, I think both of them still need a little bit of work, but my God, I, this is, I think everything that we've talked about in text on the podcast, this is going to be a, I think a prolonged feud and I could see this going and it's going to be fucking great. Um, you know, a, again, I thought the ending was perfect. I thought Ricky was going to, I was like, holy shit, you know, again, that's, it's great storytelling. Mirky might win. MJF turns the ref around, kicks Ricky in the nuts and cradles him. I was like, perfect way for heel to win. And it gets Ricky over great. Ricky still looked good, looked really, really strong. 
obviously I think Jim, you kind of alluded to this, maybe either last podcast or podcast before that. Um, uh, Brian Danielson shows up, obviously they're going to have a feud there. Um, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not mad about it. Um, I think definitely, uh, Ricky, there's definite, Hey, you screwed me. There's evidence of it. And it starts the feud all over again. I think these guys could have quick one-off feuds, but I could also definitely see in the future, some really good stuff a la Brett, Sean, uh, 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 Brett and uh, Stone Cold. Um, I was actually thinking about that today and thought, yeah, wow, what a great, great story and feud that was. And I could see that, you know, easily happening here. So my match of the week, check it out. Uh, MJF versus Ricky Starks, top to bottom. Um, just good shit. Good, good shit. Jim, what about you? Uh, first of all, I believe the match you're referring to is the Pebble versus Maxi Pat. Ah, yes. Uh, <laughs> which I think that was my favorite part about the whole buildup was those two had some great fucking They did. Oh, they did. And I usually hate, I usually kind of hate the juvenile, like, but it, it worked. It was great, especially MJF's buildup to using the Pebble. And then just, of course, Ricky Starks, like The Rock, using the like Maxi, Maxi Pad. Yeah, for, and it it worked. It was great. Um, my match of the week, and actually it, it aired this week, although it took place uh, not this week, but it aired in the U.S. for the first time this week. Uh, and that was a New Japan match. Actually, it was Will Ospreay uh, versus Shota Umino, uh, the shooter. Shota shooter. Uh, and we saw shooter. Yeah, shooter. I saw sh- we saw, yeah. we saw <laughs> the shooter, Tom. Yeah, and uh, it was it was on New Japan's uh, television programming this week. Uh, again, it was taped a couple weeks ago, but um, it was just it was it was brilliant. It was beautiful. I love the psychology and the storytelling on the match. Um, obviously, Will Ospreay is a fucking frighteningly talented athlete, uh, and, and so that is a huge part of it. But the fact that you know, sure, sure, you guys are aware. Uh, you know, Shota Umino is the son of Red Shoes, the referee in, in New Japan. Oh, yep. I didn't know that. And yep. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. Whoa, so that's awesome. Red shoes was actually the ref for the match, and they really kind of worked that in in a really nice. Oh, way. that's awesome. Really cool that's cool. Storytelling part of it, um, and and so yeah, it was just it was like I said, it was a great Will Osprey match. Uh, Will Osprey uh, kind of was paying tribute to Hayabusa with his gear for the yes. match, uh, which was fucking amazing. Uh, they were saying on commentary that he actually had the blessing of Hayabusa's family. Uh, and that Osprey was actually auctioning off his gear after the match uh, to pay for uh, to go towards a charity. Wow, uh, family. Whoa, so, dude! Fantastic. Um, yeah, man, that just yeah. made my hair and stand was, up. Sorry, I geeking out. Yeah, no, it's it was really fucking cool, and it just it ah, fucking Will like Osprey, man. Beyond high praise. Yeah, yeah. I, I think if there is somebody who's carrying the legacy of Hayabusa, I think Will Osprey. Um, is is pretty close to to that oh, guy. So what? again, it was a great match for some great spots, but I, for me, it was it was the storytelling. I'm a sucker for storytelling, and it was a great storytelling match. Uh, you know, it was Shota's first match back after excursion in New Japan. Uh, you know, he wrestled in the states yep. and in the UK for a while. So uh, you know, and getting a shot at the U.S. title uh, at the conclusion of the match is when Kenny Omega appeared and uh, on in recording and challenged. Will Ospreay for uh, Wrestle Kingdom. But uh, yeah, again, it was a great match. If you get a chance to watch it, please do. Um, again, phenomenal athleticism uh, and also just really good storytelling. If you if you want, if to me, it's a great match to show somebody who doesn't watch wrestling 
because they'll be able to understand the story and see the amazing, the beautiful poetry in motion uh, that that takes place in the match. So I, I thought it was really well done and can't recommend it highly enough. Man, Jim, what a great comparison, Tom. Not to, to but I'd, I'd love to hear your thoughts on uh, uh, Shooter um, and uh, and Osprey. But like, wow, what a great way to it just. To me, Japanese wrestling is its just almost like poetry, and it, it really is. Oh, and yeah. it, it's, again, to anybody that's listening, highly, highly recommend it. Go down that Japanese rabbit hole because you will just – you will understand, I think, why we love this stuff so much. Like, of course, we love the gaudy entertainment and you know, the new jacks and all this other stuff. But when you just – when you watch a good match from start to finish, it, it – it really kind of puts the exclamation point on why we love this stuff so much. And I, I quite frankly, I can't think of anybody that's done it better. I would say, you know, more consistently than new Japan and the Japanese wrestling product. So, and you know, but no, it's um, Tom and I got to see shooter a couple of months ago when he was in the United States and he was fighting, uh, fighting. Uh, it was uh, him and Jay white, uh, Jay white called him. He was doing his, uh, I think it was his, when he, the United States of Jay. Yeah, or something like that. And it was, he was just challenging. <laughs> he would have anybody do an open challenge and it was great. And it was really fun. And it was exactly, I mean, it was a quick, hard hitting, you know, kind of, you know, stateside New Japan match. But Shooters, it, it, from what I understand, has very high praise. And it's, it, it, I, no complaints. I mean, he, again, he was in, he was in with the King, uh, King Switch. So, you know, hard, hard not to look good. Uh, but, yeah, I don't know. Shooters, shooters, great, Tom. What do you think? Oh uh, no! I, uh, again, I mean, you guys always like throw it back to me, and I'm like, yeah, I agree. No, uh, so <laughs> no, I, I totally agree. Will Osprey is. I mean, I, I know we're going to do your roundup episode, but he's very high on my list of like wrestler of the year candidate, if not wrestler of like the last five years. Uh, <laughs> Osprey is just. If you want your comparison to poetry, I, I have had a great joy of seeing that guy wrestle three times. And it is, dude, it is poetry. That guy is unreal. And Jim, I think I think your comparison to Hayabusa too, I think that's spot fucking on. Um, Absolutely. And he's just, he's so good. And, and uh, I, I, with Shooter, I, I haven't watched too much of his stuff. I was familiar uh, I wasn't, I, excuse me, I wasn't familiar when he wrestled Jay. I looked in, went down a, a rabbit hole, and, and I love him. I think he's he's a, also, you know, a really good wrestler, kind of uh, coming to his own. So, um, yeah, no, both both really, really great wrestlers. What was your match of the week, Tom? Speaking of great wrestlers, it's not free sweet me, bro, if we don't mention Jeff Jarrett. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you say Jeff Jarrett, Tom. <laughs> The way that that guitar just smashed over his head was just so good. Uh, no, I mean, I feel bad for uh, full disclosure. I am going to pick a match from WWE, but this is before. I feel like before the – no, may may not have been. But anyways, I'm going to pick a WWE match. I thought Gunther versus Ricochet was fucking excellent. Um, I It was fun to get to see Ricochet actually be Ricochet. Um, and, um, I think it was just a really, really for, for surprisingly for live television and for a SmackDown episode, I, I was really impressed with, uh, how well it flowed, how, uh, um, 
you know, you know what you're getting, you know what you're getting when you watch a Gunther and Ricochet match. It's like, same with like Osprey, like you're going to get all the fucking amazing aerial, uh, maneuvers and, and false finishes that Ricochet is going to do. And you're going to see Gunther. I hate saying Gunther. It's so stupid, but you're going to see Gunther chop shit down and, and just throw people around. So I think it was really, really great. Uh, if you guys haven't, uh, watch it. It's worth the watch. Mike, I know you're avoiding WWE. Um, go into it just thinking it's Walter and, uh, you know, Prince Puma, you know? Uh, but no, well, I, no I, well, it's funny though that you mentioned that though, Tom. I believe if my God, if my memory serves me right, they had a pretty good run when they were in PWG together. Um, really? I believe when he was Walter, and I think it was he was still obviously Ricochet floating around, and they were still. I mean, I, I think at this point, Ricochet was like, okay, when's he going to get the call? And everyone was like, okay, Walter's just you know building his his kind of be. I want to say I thought he was PW champ, PWG champion when they were together because I thought. Ricochet, I think Ricochet is only, I think he's the only wrestler, I think, to have won Bola twice. And I thought the second time he got to fight Walter. I, again, that's deep cut shit. And so, you know, fact check me if you want. But I thought they've at least, so if you don't want to watch WWE, go watch him in PWG. Um, it's better and you get less dumb bullshit. So that's all I'll say. And I know, uh, Jim, we were you and I were talking about it too, is... I'm really, really excited to see him, if the rumors are true, uh, going up against Brock Lesnar. Uh, and they did, and Jim, you're a fucking wizard. I don't know how you do it. Uh, the whole AJ Styles thing, I'll let you go ahead and take that, but that's, I think, also, you know, pun intended, going to be phenomenal. <laughs> you know, so so we the three of us have been discussing the the possibility of a Brock Lesnar Gunter at uh, – at, uh, wrestlemania and and we all agree that's going to be fucking fantastic that would be a great match uh my speculation is i think gunter and aj styles are going to have a fantastic fucking feud before the end of 2023 um i think the two of them could put on some amazing matches plus it ties in triple h seems to be leaning heavily into this faction idea so it would allow the oc against imperium you know because you, you can look you can get a lot of mileage out of that you know like is it one-on-one is it uh, the two tag teams going against each other is it three on three there's a lot of iterations you can play off of so i i, I think it's going to be aj versus gunter gunther uh is going to be the, the the main feud of 2023 but uh yeah i think gunther versus ricochet is i think that's almost a a, a test case for trips yeah. i think okay can can gunther have a good match with a high flyer all right cool let's see what he can do if he can do that then he can work with aj not that AJ's a high flyer, but that AJ has such a flexible range uh, of styles and, and moves. And I think you're going to see too, Jim, uh, like AJ's the guy I, I, we texted about this earlier. Uh, AJ's the guy you want to get that. Uh, I know this sounds bad when we're talking about wrestling, but that rub that, you know, you, you want to get from another wrestler is, is we all know AJ is getting older. The, you know, the wheels are slowing down. And I think it, if he's going to go out, it's, I think going to be, a great idea to put over guys like Gunther and, you know, younger talent. That's going to be obviously sticking around in, in the future of WWE. Um, who better to get it from than, you know, he's pretty much the greatest wrestler of our generation. So I, I think it's a great, oh, 100%. I think it's going to be great. Yeah, to me, 
To, to me, and I mean, I think this is I coming from me. Um, I think you gents know how much I love Bret Hart. Um, he, to me, AJ's, he's slowly becoming this generation's Bret Hart. Um, you know, it, it, I, you're right. I do not like the WWE product, but thank God I, the guys he's, has he put on some sneakers? Yeah. Has he put on the typical WWE match? Absolutely. You know, but like, you can't take away that that man is a fantastic wrestler, a fantastic performer and a great athlete. And he combines that very, very well. And he has that natural ability. I think that Bret Hart had, whereas he not only makes himself look good, he makes everybody else look good. And I think he's in a great position right now to where he's like, you know what? I'm going to make the most money I can. I'm going to be on TV the most I can. And I'm going to cement my legacy as this individual. And kind of like you, I think at this point, you know, maybe not quite at this point, but in the next couple of years, kind of picking his feuds a la, you know, what Triple H did, what Shawn Michaels did, you know. I So I think the next five years, I would say eh, five to seven years for AJ are going to be pretty, pretty cool, I think. And um I was against the whole uh, Gunther. I can't call him that Walter uh, and AJ and um, because it just didn't make sense to me. And then listening to my elder uh, and my younger brother kind of piece it together. And it, it does, it makes perfect sense. And what a way to excel Walter to the top. And it's at some point, they'd be stupid not to put the title on that guy at some point. Like I, vicious heel uh you know weird baby face but i mean just but just they i don't know i don't know they just well you know what i mean because like when he was with uh when he was in nxt uk he it wasn't he wasn't really good he wasn't really bad he was just kind of this just you know everybody knew who walter was and you don't want to mess with him kind of thing and like now i think he's finally starting to God damn it. It getting into this like, oh, the evil German, you know, that bullshit of the WWE does. So yeah. they'll get him over they'll get him over as just these fucking awful heels, you know, that way. So um, yeah, no, that's those are my thoughts. So for this week's spotlight, before we get into the the uh, performer, the wrestler themselves, I wanted to give kind of a little bit of a, a history lesson uh, in professional wrestling and an overview for some of our listeners who might not be familiar. Um, now, you guys, obviously, you're familiar with the term jobber, right? You know what a jobber is, yep. right? A jobber is a wrestler whose entire purpose is to make somebody else look good. Right. And throughout most of, of my childhood, jobbers were a critical role uh, in the WWE or WWF at the time, because, you know, today you watch, you know, uh, Dynamite, you watch Raw, you watch one of these mainstream shows and, and everybody who's in the ring, you know, right They're They're a developed character. They're an investment. Right. There's somebody who, who you see frequently. But back in the day, you didn't want to risk the 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 reputation and the name of all of your big guys so you would put them in there against these local talent or these small time guys whose entire job was to get the shit beat out of them <laughs> and make the other guy look good right now at the same time however the jobber's responsibility was also to be a trusted hand to be a good hand you needed a good jobber because if if this person who you were hiring had hired or consider considering hiring 
if they could have a good match with a jobber, okay, that's a good sign. <laughs> but if they couldn't pull off a good match against a jobber, you, that didn't spell good things for their future, right? So the jobber became an incredibly important role uh, in, in professional wrestling. Now, a few years later, uh, the term jobber, which was really an industry term, it was an insider term, uh, it was swapped out for the more, let's just say, friendly term enhancement talent. Uh, and it's actually an appropriate title, too, because that's what they're doing. They're enhancing the primary characters, the primary performers on the show. And so the, the, the wrestler that I wanted to spotlight this week is, in my opinion, the greatest jobber of all time, the greatest enhancement talent of all time. Do we get to guess? And before I tell you, uh, <laughs> do, do we get a, do we get a couple of guesses? I want to give you some accolades and then. Okay. I'll let you okay. Guess. Cause right. I don't yeah, know why right. I just so one name for- just scr- I'm like dying to get it out just because it's probably going to make me laugh, but still <laughs> some, some of the career highlights, career highlights of this individual. This person was the five-time, 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 five-time Allied Powers Wrestling Federation TV champion. Ooh. They were the Border City Wrestling heavyweight champ and television champ. They were the IWA US champ, NWA Michigan heavyweight champ, NWA Southwest TV champ, the Wrecking Ball Wrestling heavyweight champ, (laughs) and perhaps most prestigious of all, a one-time Slammy Award winner. <sighs> However, that Slammy Award was for worst idea. <laughs> Gentlemen, any guesses as to who our spotlighted wrestler of the week is? <laughs> how many? How many guesses do we get? Just one. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll do one each first. Okay. So, Mike, you go first. I, I don't know. Barry Horowitz is just screaming. <laughs> I wish it was Barry Horowitz. Oh, That's a great guess, but it is not Barry Horowitz. I don't know. Tom? This Barry Horowitz was just screaming. <laughs> Say Barry Horowitz. It's got to be Barry Horowitz. Barry Horowitz. Which is like slap yourself on the back. I kept. I kept. I mean, I know it's not because I don't think he's ever won a slammy. But I kept thinking of Duke the Dumpster Drossy for some reason. <laughs> hey, hey, he wasn't a jobber. That man was a fucking icon. Look, <laughs> if I. Oh man! Okay, so he, worst idea. Worst idea, dude. Is it Virgil? No, it is not oh, Virgil. Dang. Now, now, here, give me. Let me throw a couple more. Right, at you, okay. okay. Now, this performer uh, has gone by several different names oh, over the course of his career. Okay, they were at one point known as Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. <laughs> They also stretch. Oh, yeah. Stretch. Knuckle, knuckleball. Yeah. Oh, knuckleball. Yeah. Who doesn't know knuckleball? <laughs> knuckleball As MVP. No, not that. Okay, not, not that MVP. They also played a character called the Black Knight. Not that the Black Knight. They also played a character named Kim Chi. They were one of Doink the Clowns, but their most famous, most well-known gimmick was, any other guesses? Hold on. Kim Chi, they made him a character in uh, WCW game for 64, but. Yeah, not that Kim Chi. Yeah, oh, man. 
Different kimchi, buddy. Um, this kimchi was the handler of Kamala, the Ugandan giant. Oh my god! Um, I don't know, man. Mask. I don't know. Oh, Tom, Tom he was one of the doinks. Um, he was a doink. A- oh my god! It, I I think when you reveal the big gimmick, I think I know who you're talking about now. I I'm- you're gonna be really upset when I say this, guys, because you know him. You know him. You know him. You love him. He was born one Stephen Kenneth Lombardi, but he is most well known Bro! as the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> I didn't know Steve Lombardi was one of the doinks. Yes, he was the second doink. Oh, wow. Once oh, Matt God, what Bourne a horrible mantle. Oh, how great. Steve Lombardi took over as How doink. great if Mike would have been like, oh, I didn't know he was Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, what? How do you know that? I mean, if you look at the Brooklyn Brawler, it fits him. It does. It really does. That guy looks so, like he would have been Abe Knuckleball Schwartz. <laughs> So Steve Lombardi, known to the wrestling world as the Brooklyn Brawler, the stogie chewing, moon cap wearing, torn shirt, uh, a hairy some bitch, uh, came into the World Wrestling Federation in 1983. Right, so he started his his career in WWF in 1983. And little this this blew my mind when I when I read this. He actually decided to get into the business after meeting Kurt Hennig. In the Portland, Oregon territory. Wow. Weird. Wow. Never in a million goddamn years would I think of the Brooklyn Brawler and Kurt Hennig existing in the same universe, but there you have it. Kurt Hennig inspired the Brooklyn Brawler to become a wrestler. Uh, initially, Brooklyn Brawler wrestled under his real name, Steve Lombardi, uh, and he was exactly what I described before. He was a jobber. He was a jobber <laughs> to the stars. Uh, and for, for six years, Steve Lombardi had one of the worst win-loss records in the history of professional. <laughs> uh, there are junior varsity girls badminton teams uh, that have had more wins uh, than Steve Lombardi had over the course of his entire career. Uh, it wasn't great, but he was a steady hand. He was a good worker. They knew they put Steve in the ring. You were going to get a good match. You were going to get your other guy over. And that was his job. And he did it well. He did it so well that in 1989, Steve Lombardi was repackaged as the man that we now know and love today. The Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> what a he name. Was a rich, like, just, I, isn't that great? Well, and you, did you notice too? I don't know if you guys have a mental image in your mind here, but he was the Brooklyn Brawler, but he wore a Yankees sweater, right? Well, the Yankees play in the Bronx, not Brooklyn. Yeah, Bronx, <laughs> that was that was actually some brilliant, like kind of you know four you know four D chess that he was playing with his character work because he specifically wore a Yankees sweater because. Uh, the the Bronx or Brooklyn hated the Yankees, right? Brooklyn didn't like the Yankees, so he's the Brooklyn brawler. So look, he's a heel even in Brooklyn because he likes the Yankees. So that's just brilliant fucking psychology. I just thought he was stupid, but it turns out it was actually brilliant. <laughs> so in 1989, Steve Lombardi gets repackaged as the Brooklyn brawler, and he's introduced. He's introduced as part of Bobby the Brain Heenan's family. 
and specifically he's introduced what? to fight yes he was part of the I, I don't remember that at all this is well, like was. deep cut oh. brooklyn baller wow i can't even say his yes, name brooklyn brawler and he was specifically brought in to fight back against the red rooster Ooh. terry Ooh. taylor which is probably the worst fucking gimmick of all time <laughs> yeah, the most <laughs> embarrassing gimmick of all do you remember he used to like cackle he'd be like oh, oh. he would strut to the yeah. ring and then he'd get in the ring and go kr, kr, kr. And fuck, like it's like dude you're an adult you <laughs> what do you think your life choices here, i can just see oh. terry taylor and like I don't know, Kurt Henning, like, I, yeah. I don't want to do this. And he's what? like, man, you're making a million dollars. Like, I'm a grown man and walking around like a rooster. Like, it's a million dollars, man. Just get out there and do it. Call, call motherfuckers. <laughs> Legend has it that the Red Rooster and Mr. Perfect were two gimmicks that WWF knew they wanted Henning and Taylor, but they didn't know who was going to be who. No shit, really? Yeah, originally Terry Taylor was going to be Mr. Perfect. Oh my god. (laughs) But Henning ultimately got I was gonna say I feel like there's a weird alternate like nineteen eighty-five right now. I just I cannot I cannot live in a world where Kurt Hedig is the Red Rooster. <laughs> so no, the Red Rooster, uh, if you guys remember, was actually a member of the Heenan family uh, originally, uh, but he had a falling out with the brain, uh, as dumb people do. Uh, he had a falling out with the brain, and Brooklyn Brawler was recruited by Bobby Heenan to take care of the the Red Rooster problem. So the the so- Brooklyn. <laughs> I know, I know. I love the Red Rooster problem. Oh no, it's Terry Taylor. He's back. We are three full-grown adults talking about the Brooklyn Brawler fending off the Red Rooster, and this is serious. We're serious about all of this. Uh, (laughs) The Brawler brawler enters a feud with the Red Rooster. Ultimately, the Red Rooster wins the feud because, of course, he does. He's the fucking Red Rooster. Uh, and and very shortly thereafter, the Brooklyn Brawler fades back into jobber status. Uh, he never really has a falling out with the Heenan family. He just is no longer in the Heenan family. Uh, and he's just a jobber. I mean, again. how do you recover uh, from that? I mean, how do you like how the hell did he sign ink to paper and being like, so wait a minute. I'm literally fending off a man who man who thinks he's a bird and not even really a bird. As someone who lives in a and works in a very rural part of America, let me tell you, roosters are fucking mean. (laughs) And so (laughs) there's no shame. There's no shame in getting beat up by a rooster. Happens to a lot of fucking people out here. Uh, So so Brooklyn Brawler goes back to his jobber status for the next several years. The next notable thing to really happen in the Brawler's career was in the year 1993. And what was notable for the Brawler in that year is that over the course of 365 days, he ended up playing five different gimmicks (laughs) in one calendar year. (laughs) So he starts 1993 as the Brooklyn Brawler, right? However, he he at some point unexplicably goes away and comes back as MVP, right? Not Montel Vontavious Porter, but rather MVP 
who is a baseball player with his face painted like a baseball. Now, have you guys seen the movie, the yes. warriors? Yeah. Yes. Oh my gosh. I was going to, that was him. That's exactly it. They ripped that. Now, if you remember WWF in the eighties and nineties were notorious for just ripping off pop culture uh, figures and, oh, and just yeah. kind of recreating them as wrestlers. And that's what this was, is that he was MVP. Steve Lombardi was a ripoff of the Furies. Yeah, the base from the I movie. had no idea that was yeah, him. Exactly. Wow. Yeah, that was that was well, Brooklyn Brawler under that makeup. And um, what an obscure fucking movie to call back in 1993. Like, yeah, hey, I know. Let's make this weird Walter Hill movie reference like that. Maybe, I don't know, <laughs> seven people have seen. Well, because do you guys do you guys remember when Dale Torborg and WCW was a baseball guy? Oh my God! No, that's why. That sounds amazing. WCW ripped off that character years later and had Dale Torborg play it. Oh man, I don't remember that at all. I just remember him as the demon. Oh yeah, he was the demon, and before that, he was he was the baseball character. Oh my God! I uh, see so that. okay, so back yeah, to back sorry. to back, back to, to Steve Lombardi. Lombardi. No, we're good, we're good, we're good. Sidetrack here. So MVP, right? So MVP uh, uh, is only around for a very short period of time. He's not around for very long. Before he ultimately ends up becoming Steve Lombardi becomes the second uh, person to play Doink the Clown. Uh, Matt Bourne, the man who originated and 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 created the, the Doink character, uh, left the company under not so great terms. But the Tank his career. Doink, <laughs> yeah, Doink still had legs, and so they had uh, they had Steve Lombardi fill in as Doink for a period of time. Uh, after Doink was picked up by a third wrestler, so the WWF had a, yet a third person take on the mantle of Doink, uh, Steve Lombardi went on to tag with, Mike, you're not going to believe this, his old friend Barry Horowitz. <laughs> <laughs> but they, weren't, they weren't known as the Brooklyn Brawler and Barry Horowitz. Instead, they were known as the Red Knight and the Black Knight. Barry Horowitz playing the Red Knight, and Steve Lombardi. Because oh, that's got black. one fucking hell of a ring to it. <laughs> Doesn't it, though? Here uh, comes well, the Red Knight and the fuck it. I don't care. <laughs> and the other guy. Yeah, yeah, that uh, guy. Carryover from Survivor Series, where Shawn Michaels' team was the Knights. And they had four wrestlers, mat, four masked wrestlers. Uh, and they had the Red Knight, the Black Whoa, Knight. Wow, what a callback. Wow. Yeah. yeah I and so, very vaguely remember that. Yep, and so Steve Lombardi and Barry Horowitz tag as the Black and the Red Knight, the Knights, uh, and that was his. That was his. <laughs> that was his fourth <laughs> gimmick of the year. The fifth gimmick that Steve Lombardi portrayed in the year 1993 was as Kim Chi, who was the masked handler of Kamala. Now remember, Kamala had a manager, and he also had a handler. Uh, and the handler was the guy wearing the pit yeah, helmet, yeah, and the yeah. white wrestler mm-hmm. hat. And, yeah, would just run around and act weird and everything like that. Um, yeah, that was Steve Lombardi. That was the Brooklyn Brawler uh, acting like a fucking safari man <laughs> with Kamala the Giant. A masked safari oh, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah. A masked safari madman. Um, Steve Lombardi along with being an enhancement talent, along with being a jobber uh, for WWF, WWE for so many years, was was also perhaps more importantly a road producer, uh, which for people who don't know, his his job was to go on the road, 
so when the WWF, WWE was doing house shows, doing their local shows, uh, you have to have somebody there to say, all right, in this match, this is who's going over. This is how I want you to finish, blah, 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 blah. Well, that was Steve Lombardi. He was one of the guys who would go on the road with the, with the boys and, and put together matches uh, for house shows. So he was in charge of a lot of those house shows, uh, and which is actually an important job because the house shows are where you really test out pairings and you test out moves and you test out different storylines that are later going to make it to TV and ultimately to pay-per-views. So it's actually a pretty important role to have. So not only was Steve Lombardi one of the most, you know, epic jobbers of all time, but he was actually very influential in the backstage uh, kind of storytelling of WWE for, for 30 years, for more than 30 years. Uh, it wasn't until May of 2016 in a wave of cuts, if you guys remember at that time, that this was when yeah. WWE every other month was releasing yeah. like oh, 30 yeah. people at a time. Yeah. Well, in May of 2016, Steve Lombardi got the and ending his Yes, ending his 33-year career. Many people said it was the most surprising of all of the releases because he'd been there for so long. Um, He's made a couple of appearances since he got released on special shows, uh, like Raw 30 and all that kind of stuff. Uh, But just to kind of, like I said, to me, the jobbers, the enhancement talent, they're unsung heroes, right? Because, yes, you're getting beat. Yes, you're doing the job. Yeah, you're getting your shoulders put on the, the mat. But here's a list. (laughs) this is going to blow your fucking mind. Here's a list of some of the champions of the WWF or WWE that Steve Lombardi has been in the ring with, has, has wrestled, has worked with. He's worked with Sergeant Slaughter, Iron Sheik, Bret Hart, Ultimate Warrior, Sid Vicious, Shawn Michaels, Mark Henry, The Rock, Christian, Kurt Angle, Drew McIntyre, he has a pinfall victory over Triple H. <laughs> he has a submission victory over Jinder Mahal. What? <laughs> right. Now think about not only the, the 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 names on there in terms of the weight of them, but the time span between fucking Iron Sheik and Drew McIntyre. Mm-hmm. Now here's some other notable names that that Steve Lombardi has worked with. Right. Ivan Koloff. Big John Stud, Paul Orndorff, Rocky Johnson, which means he wrestled The Rock and The Rock's fucking dad. Owen Hart, Hillbilly Jim, Davy Boy Smith, Ricky Steamboat, Coco Beware, Kerry Von Erich, Tatanka, Big Boss Man, Hacksaw Jim Duggan, Tommy Dreamer, The One Two Three Kid, Bam Bam Bigelow, The Smoking Guns, Techno Team 2000. I just put that on there because it's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Al Snow, Taka Michinoku, Jerry Lawler, and Perry Saturn. What in the world? So, I know it's so easy to think about somebody like the Brooklyn Brawler and be like, what a fucking joke. Put some goddamn respect on his name. That man has worked with some of the biggest and best names to come through this business over the last 30, 40 years, put some respect on his motherfucking name, Steve Lombardi, the Brooklyn brawler, a hero to the masses, a man without season, the spotlighted wrestler of the week. No, and, and my God, man, yes, fantastic. absolutely fantastic. 
And it, God, man, I vividly remember seeing the Brooklyn brawler when I was younger and like vividly remembering, I'm like, who is this guy? And I don't like him. Like, I just, I'm like, he seems like a wiener. Yankee fans suck. You're not wrong. Yeah, no, they're shitheads for sure. <laughs> no comment. Uh, anywho, uh, yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge Yankee fan if anybody's sleeping under a rock. But um, you are? No. Huh. Uh, <laughs> who would have thunked it? Uh, no, but, and, you know, I just always remember the guy just, the, I, as I think most of us do, is just <laughs> getting his ass kicked. But when, you know, you list off the, that those names and what he's done, um, his role, it's, it, it, wow, it, what a thing of the past, you know, as it's just, it's enhancement tale. It's just so much different. And it, I think the thing is, it's not the fact that, oh, you know, this guy can go over and work over this guy. It's, he's a good hand. He's going to protect this person. He's going to work to put this over. Case in point, one of the people that Jim had named, I believe, I, I think I got my history right, but I might be a little off and obviously you two can correct me. But a lot of people had said when Rocky Maivia was not getting over, send him to the Brooklyn Brawler. If he can't get over, he's done. And I believe Steve Lombardi saw the potential, like the like, holy shit, this is the future of the business at that time. And got helped get him over like if there wasn't a Steve Lombardi there probably would be no rock meaning there wouldn't be the rock that you know I think all of us have hated loved eh, disappointed in and you know movie star this this philanthropist would probably not exist because of Steve Lombardi and I mean yeah that's playing you know woulda coulda shoulda or what if but I that the wrestling industry is such a niche business it's where really and i think i said this either a couple of podcasts ago where it's like yes unfortunately it is a business and you you have to get over and the rock is literally a a i mean he's got a goddamn show about it about how he was on the 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 cusp of not being the rock and it was a lot of it i i believe it's even highlighted in the show the young rock steve lombardi was a very very big part of making sure the rock got over and look at who we've got now. You know what I mean? We're everybody talks about the guy. So I don't know, Tom. What are your thoughts on hey, Steve Lombardi? Real quick, I had to. Uh, I mean, I know Wikipedia is not the best, but uh, the, I'm still like flabbergasted about the Heenan family. Like, aren't aren't <laughs> Tully Blanchard, Hercules Hernandez, Andre the Giant, Haku, <laughs> Harley Race, Rick Rude, Terry Taylor, the Brooklyn Brawler. That was that was all in one fucking year. Fits in, fits in. Which is yep. so, it's hundred <laughs> percent. Like, Harley, oh. like, did he did did like some like he did something for somebody, and it was a personal favor. They're like, hey, look, Bobby, I I really need you to pull some strings to get him in this group. Um, I it, it is it's it's a lost art. The jobber to me is is. It's non-existent now because if they're going to feed like an uh, – I can never say his name right. Omas? 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 If they're going to feed somebody Omas, it's always like a really smaller dude 
and it's just a squash match. Like there, there were times like back in the day where, yeah, you would see the Brooklyn brawler fight somebody and you were like, Whoa, he's kind of got a chance. Like there is none of that anymore. Like the jobbers just strictly do not exist in this business unless if it's in a house show, a dark match and that's it. I mean, but even then though, they might get one, two moves in uh, and it's just a spotlight for, you know, the other wrestler. So yeah, no, I, I think Brooklyn, Brooklyn brawler is he as goofy as he is. And as strange <laughs> as he, the, the MVP thing, that was, I always wondered who that guy was. Same with the, 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 fan, Forgot all about um, that. the mind guy. Oh, the, well, he wasn't a mime. He was a, he was a magician. The magician. That's right. The magician. Like there, there's so much of that. That is just like such a lost art. <laughs> it's just so it it could only happen then it can't happen now but yeah no Brooklyn Brawler man he was always he was just on paper it sounded great like this New York tough guy coming out to just kick some ass and then you see Steve Lombardi and you're like (laughs) (laughs) this one Vince uh dude that was great I I am am stoked and and uh shocked at a lot of things you said have you have you ever seen him sans Brooklyn Brawler gear? His it, everything I've ever seen him in before that was like br- not bright purple tights, but just purple trunks. <laughs> I'm like the most generic purple trunks. <laughs> like oh, poor Steve Lombardi, you were you were like doomed from the start. You got to recognize that <laughs> the man was able to put people over in ways other people wouldn't be willing to or just couldn't do. And yeah. you know, I like. I got to say, you know, there's a lot of I get a lot of people don't like John Cena for whatever reasons. But one of the reasons I really respect John Cena is because he's always recognized how important people like Steve Lombardi are. Uh, And John Cena has always put Steve Lombardi over in interviews and always talked highly of him. Uh, You know, and Mike, like you said, you know, The Rock, you know, talks about that. People who, when you know, it's it's a, I guess it's a sign of a person's character if you can respect the janitor as much as you respect the CEO, and the fact that Steve Lombardi was never the guy, but was still incredibly important. I just you either you either respect that or I can't respect you. So I. I know, yeah. you know people are going to think well I'm joking said. when I say this, but I'm 3,000% serious. Steve Lombardi should be in the Hall of Fame. Well, 100%. I agree. I honestly am surprised that he's not. Yeah. No, you'll get no great for me. I mean, I think it's just even – I don't know if you guys remember when it was the – God, I mean, I think it was – I think this was Triple H and The Rock. That whole feud was going on where it was like, Rock, you're starting back at the bottom again. Guess who was first? You know, it, it was the oh, Brooklyn yeah. Brawler. And they were getting the Brooklyn Brawler over in '98, and it, it what a res- like what a respectful nod too. I'm sure you got its fucking ass kicked because of the Attitude Era, but like, and you know, probably I don't know, made it look like a fool, but still, like, what a good rub, you know, that later. And he still is like, I remember being like, oh fuck yeah, that guy, you know, like I like how he he just kind of will randomly appear sometimes. I mean, he hasn't in a while, but like, yeah. <laughs> like. I love like, you know, like maybe 10 years ago, it'd be like the Royal Rumble and out comes the Brooklyn Brawler. And you're like, this fucking guy has no chance, but I love it. (laughs) He might get close. (laughs) Steve Lombardi, uh, one of the all time greats, in my opinion, 
Uh, didn't sell a lot of merch. Didn't put butts in seats. But without Steve Lombardi, you don't get a lot of the guys that you love and you, the shirts that you buy today. So, no, 100%. And I think, and you know, um, if you can, I don't know, I, th- I think all of his episodes are for free, but another person that speaks very, very highly of uh, Steve Lombardi is Cole Cabana, um, who subsequently actually plays him on The Young Rock. But he, oh, yeah. I think, I believe he's been on the art of wrestling like two or three times and Colt loves him. And it, Colt is obviously such a, a fan of the history. Uh, it, you know, I, I think just of wrestling in general. Um, and again, to like your point, Jim appreciates the fact of what this person did and his importance that he played even at that, you know, for not ever being the guy. And that will wrap it up for this episode. But come back next time for more news, analysis, and of course, our spotlighted Wrestler of the Week. Big, 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 big thanks for giving us a listen and a super thanks for subscribing to this podcast so you can have our dulcet tones delivered right to you each week. Feel free to leave us some feedback on your podcast delivery platform of choice. On behalf of Mike, Jim, and I, we are out. 